Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Beth. How are you, friend? Fab Dabulous, you're back in the U.S. So glad to be right here with you. Crazy. It's the best. But it's so funny because our priest isn't even in the U.S. No, it's right. It's kind of funny. You guys did like a swap. Yeah. yeah. Except he's been there the whole time. <laughs> right. Father, welcome. <laughs> well, hello. Thank you. Yeah. Father Fernando Camus, will you please introduce yourself? Sure. Since you've said my name, I will say that I am a priest of the Diocese of Phoenix. I'm currently assigned to further studies, so I'm in Rome. I'm studying a licentiate degree in liturgy. Just got one more year of school before I go back to Phoenix, which I'm very excited about. Father, I'm so curious how things like that happen. Do you tell Bishop, hey, I'm really interested in this topic, or does he say... I see something in you. I'd like to send you for further education on certain things. How does that work within the priesthood? Good question. I mean, I was chaplain at a high school last year, and it's a brand new school. So I thought for stability's sake, maybe I'd stay there for a little while. And uh, no, at the end of the first semester, I was told by Bishop that he really felt it was time actually to send me back to school because I had started this degree before and he wanted me to finish it and all discernment. It's both spirit-led and also practical. So I think to some degree, like in my case, I think part of the discernment was the fact that my credits would expire if I waited any longer to finish my degree. Funny enough, I think for the, like, the year or two before, my studies had really come up in prayer. And for the first time in my life, I was like, I was looking back, reflecting on my time in seminary and realizing just what a gift it was. I found myself here and again thinking like, I would love to just have time to finish my studies. And now I see how valuable these things are. Now that I'm working with real people in the parish and high school, I'm like, I realize how little I actually know. (laughs) I think it's really refreshing to hear you say that as a priest, you still need to learn more. There's still more to learn, more to know. So that has to be true for the average lay person. I don't think people stop and think, oh, how do I form my conscience? How does that question actually get formed? I don't think people think that ever. I think the question typically is, why does the church teach this? This is dumb. This is archaic. This doesn't make any sense. Why is the church against me? Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to, let me take a posture of, I love this church. I understand that it came from Jesus. All of those things. And then, okay, I want to understand where this is coming from and why the church teaches this, which is, I think, forming our conscience. But I don't think that's the posture we typically take. I think it's typically the church is telling me what to do. And I don't like that. Kind of what I hear in that is like, oh, okay, you sound frustrated. So as a priest, I'm much more interested in talking about like, well, let's process your agitation. Because usually the issue isn't the issue. You're frustrated about like, oh, I don't understand this church teaching. Okay, but what I heard is you're frustrated. Man, the worst thing we see people do is just lump everybody into one category. People saying like, you're part of that party, you're part of this party, you're on that team, you're on that side. And I think now more than ever, we realize how that it cannot be the goal. 
Like the goal can't be to be on the right side. Blogs are one of the sources of this. Like every blogger has a hot take. It's wanting to ultimately take a stance. I think that's not what's going to ease our agitation. I think it's so important to keep heaven as the goal. Why do I say the goal is heaven? Let me illustrate that with an experience I had this summer. I was helping out with some missionaries. One of the coordinators of the missionaries pulled me aside and said, Father, you know, I really want to talk. And she had like two big job opportunities she was discerning. Then she was also like uh, looking at a potential relationship thing. I mean, she was like, Father, I need your advice. Like, what should I do? These two really good job opportunities are so different, but I love them both. And then should I pursue the relationship or should I just kind of like take a more passive stance? And serious things that I could tell were just agitating her. And in fact, she shared with me her prayer had become so dry. She would still do her holy hour and stuff, but she's like, I didn't even try talking to God. And I simply said, so what's it like for you? When you go to pray and you just feel dry. And she said, Father, I, I feel really sad. And then I asked her, have you ever told God about your sadness? No, she said. No, I've, I've never shared that with him. This is where it gets so cool. I asked her, why don't we take a second right now to share that sadness with God? So we sat in silence after like a a minute, literally like a long minute of silence. I asked her like, what'd you notice as you shared your sadness with God? And her reply was, I feel his warm embrace. So I asked her like, what's that like to be in his embrace? And she replies this, this like mind blowing sentence that I will keep forever and I think just makes the point that we need to keep heaven as a goal. Her reply to the fact that she was sensing God embracing her, she says, that's everything I wanted. We get so agitated trying to figure things out or I don't understand why the church says this. And here's this young lady who's agitated about trying to figure out what's right, the right path. And she came to realize that what she really wanted was just to know that the Lord loved her and that she was with him. Being with him was what she wants more than picking the right job or deciding to take the next step in a relationship. Father, I just don't know how many times I'm going to need to be reminded that because I, I know that that's true. I want an answer all the time. I want an answer about how do we form our consciences? Who do we trust? What resources do we read? I want to pick a side, you know, from my own sense of like safety, maybe pride is in there as well. Don't beat yourself up about that. Those are great questions and they need to be answered. You mentioned, Beth, uh, the question of, am I reading the right things, et cetera. Tell me more about that question. Lots of, you know, certain particular names come up and For some people, those sources, those authors, those priests in some cases have been hugely impactful for some people's spiritual lives. And for other people, they're reading, stay away from that. That's not a trusted source. Your soul is in danger. There's a real tension of this has been beautiful and impactful. I felt known and understood as I read this person's book. And over here... 
on a different political side of the same church, you're hearing, that's dangerous. Even as a priest, I feel that tension. I love church history. Every bit of church history I've studied is so delightful because I realize the church has always been a wonderful family. And wonderful families are a mess. There's always bickering over minuscule things. There's always really important major things that are neglected. Like that's just typical family. And it's so refreshing to realize that the church has always been made up of humans like us that are pathetic. When we're trying to figure out how do I make sense of the fact that I had a profoundly beautiful experience from someone that people say is not in line with the church. I would say this, stay rooted. Jeremiah 17 verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. The tree that's planted by the water, it shall not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. It's very practical for us in trying to figure out right and wrong, you know, is this the right source or not source? First and foremost is, am I rooted? And am I nourishing, am I nurturing my roots, specifically through prayer, through the scriptures? And I would even expand that, like, to the church fathers, to church documents, especially, especially with bloggers or, or, like, Catholic celebrities. It's not the worst thing to read blogs, but are you keeping your roots? Are you reading scripture? If you've stopped reading scripture, you are depriving your soul of nourishment that it needs. If you're not going to regular confession, if you're not receiving the sacramental grace, like yes, grace comes to us in the most unexpected ways inside and outside of the church. But the sacraments are the privileged place of encounter with Jesus. That's what I mean by staying rooted in the things that are like guaranteed, the Bible, the sacraments, church fathers, church documents. That's what makes you put your trust in the Lord. And all of a sudden the Lord becomes your trust. Like the grace of trust is the Lord abiding in you because you welcomed him in. You've made space for him. Again, you've kept heaven as your goal. And what's heaven? Uninhibited relationship with the Lord. To hear that this tree that sends out its roots, roots are what's unseen, what nobody sees of the tree. It's like our souls. And the roots, it's, it describes them as being sent out, like stretching themselves out to the water. So I've got to stretch my interior life constantly. In the midst of decisions and practical things that have to be done, I have to be making sure that I'm attending to the spiritual, to the unseen, to the roots. And I've got to make sure those roots are stretching towards the life-giving water. And then it says, it shall not fear when the heat comes because its leaves will stay green. Which, as a baby priest, I thought, green? That's what everybody says about me. They're like, oh, he's still green. Oh, he smiles a lot because he's still green. When we're rooted in the Lord, we don't get fearful. We remain green. We keep our youthfulness. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of Blessed Is She. You have done all of your recent priest interviews with my best friends, and I'm so jealous. Because I'm here in Italy, away from all of them, and you get to hang out with them. Those are all priests who are not dry, who are not bitter. They are smiling. They are youthful. 
And I think it's precisely because they've tended to their roots. Their leaves have stayed green, if you will. Well, off of what you're saying, Father, I think so often people are looking for new spiritual reads, right? They're like looking for something that will inspire them to keep their leaves green and their roots rooted and just to renew that vigor for the Lord. And, you know, people are searching for that always. We get asked constantly for spiritual reads and spiritual like recommendations for books. So I think that's just a part of the culture is we're saying this book changed my life. You need to read it. Like this book rooted me even more in the Mm. Lord. One thing that I would add is I think sometimes people are intimidated reading scripture or scripture feels very dry. They don't know how to apply it to their lives. They didn't grow up that way. In the same way, they're intimidated approaching a church document and they feel like it's over their head. I would say church document is over my head way more than scripture is. Yeah. So people want like a modern voice who's going to break it down for them and apply it to their lives for them. So I love what you're saying about being rooted, but I think the things that deeply root us, the truth of the word and the tradition of the church feel maybe inaccessible. I want to like live my life on the fact that scripture is not intimidating. That's all we need, guys. Yeah. Literally every question you could have pretty much answered in the word. Answered in scripture. Yeah. Let me press you on that. Isn't the reason scripture really does answer all of your questions is not because it's literally a teaching document on every issue that comes up, but because it connects you with a person. That the person of the Lord is the one who walks by your side, and therefore you're not afraid even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You fear no evil because he's at your side, and the scriptures connect you with him. But it's true, like a lot of people get really intimidated by scriptures even. I would say another huge thing is we have to stay humble, because that's what a truth seeker is. Someone who is seeking the truth remains utterly humble, because they're not actually seeking to be right. They're just seeking to be in line with what's real and what's true, which means that you're eating up whatever you can. And if you find little nuggets of truth in something that's not even Catholic, you don't fret because you're like, no, that was good. I'll hold on to that. Actually, I'll tell you a story. This one's great. (laughs) This guy from my parish, his dad, he was a record collector and he gives one to his son. He didn't want it. And he's like, Father, that album was Jesus Christ Superstar. And he's like, it was rocking. It was like, it was like uh, some of the like big rocker names that I was familiar with from the radio. They were on this album playing these songs about Jesus. And he's like, I listened to it just utterly fascinated because I realized like, he's a person. And he's like, it blew my mind. And I listened to the album over and over again, wondering like, wow, what would it be like to meet Jesus? So nobody in this conversation, I think, and probably nobody listening would say, oh yeah, Jesus Christ superstar, that's the way to know what Jesus is like, you know? (laughs) But for this man, it was a huge pivotal moment. Imagine if somebody went up to this guy when he was just discovering Jesus is like a person via Jesus Christ Superstar. Imagine if somebody's like, oh my gosh, like you should stop listening to that because that's like not real. How much more interesting would it have been if somebody's like, oh yeah, like tell me more about that. Oh yeah, you didn't realize Jesus was a person? That's awesome because that's so true. Realizing we have to take ourselves where we're at 
and realize, okay, right now in my stage in life, this is what's nourishing me. But I'm here to seek truth. And this is what the Catechism teaches. This is what Lumen Gentium taught. There are seeds of truth, elements in truth, and everything that's real. You can find the truth in a lot of different avenues. That's not to say that they're all the same. But a truth seeker is humble enough to like, just get what you can. I'm going to have a total nerd moment right now, and you guys are going to have to just bear and grin. The word human comes from the Latin humanus. Humanus is an adverb meaning earthy. The Latin root of that is humus, which means ground, soil. So to be human, you have to stay grounded. You got to stay earthy. You have to be real. Like, don't get lost up in the ideas of like, what party am I or whatever. So I would also say something that helps keep us humble and helps keep us earthy in this good sense of being rooted, especially when we're trying to figure out, am I reading the right stuff? You know what I think is very helpful is reading novels. Novels really help us in our discernment because you get to learn more about the human heart and learn from other people's experiences, even if they're fictional people. We learn a lot from human experience, that earthy experience. And it helps us have a better gut sense. That's how we kind of form our conscience and sense of forming that gut. Because the Lord speaks to our gut. Can I tell you about a book I just read? It's this novel called All the Light We Cannot See. Published 2014 or something. I loved it. The writer is very descriptive, very vivid, just beautiful wording of things. I think something insightful about this book that's relevant to our discussion. It tells the story of this blind girl and this German boy in the time of World War II. And so the author takes on the challenge of describing things, describing a place or a circumstance through the perspective of a blind person. And he describes things so vividly. And I realized all of his descriptions are only related to smell, to sounds, and to touch. He described things so vividly from what we cannot see. There's this scene where this little German boy has found the radio and he's listening to the radio. And so he's like, wow, this is amazing. I'm listening to a guy in France from Germany. I'm in Germany and there's this French scientist giving lessons to kids on science. I got to read you this. The science teacher on the radio says this. What do we call visible light? We call it color. But the electromagnetic spectrum runs to zero in one direction and infinity in the other. So really, children, mathematically, all of light is invisible. I think that's the thesis statement of the whole book. Basically, mathematically, all light, all color is invisible to the human eye. We see such a tiny fraction of the electromagnetic waves or whatever. I think that's huge to be humble enough to stay in this place of curiosity and wonder and longing. Like God is infinite and we are finite. And yet he does have a relationship with me this minuscule nothingness, virtually nothing. You know, as if you study math, you realize that any number, no matter how big, is zero next to infinity. And not only can God have that relationship, but he became a nothing. One man, one time in history. And if that wasn't enough, he became less still through the sacraments, especially in the Eucharist. Just a tiny speck essentially nothing, but he became nothing so that we might become something, something lovable. We've got to stay plugged into that truth. And I think that's what humility ultimately is. It's being connected to what's true. 
I'm just so grateful for the way that you condensed all of that wisdom in that one word of humility, yeah. that one posture of humility. I do this little like live video teaching where I just share my prayer and you know what the Lord is teaching me through scripture and in prayer every week, and it's called Teachable Tuesday. And I love that because for me, it captures my whole experience of the spiritual life. I want to have a teachable heart. I want to never be unwilling to be disciplined or to be corrected or to be introduced to something new. I want that to be my perpetual posture. I could at one time have thought, this is everything. This really informed my view of God. Well, then I grew. Then I matured. I learned more of who God is and what the church teaches. I read the word, and now I can let go of that thing that I thought was everything. The posture of humility is so hard for us because it does require us to let go. That's a scary thing. There's a priest uh, I really admire named Father Tom Richter from Bismarck, and I heard him say, receptivity requires rejectivity. To be receptive to all that God wants to give us, his love, the truth of who I am, the guidance I need for the next step forward. In order to be receptive to that, I have to reject all the false things that I'm trying to cling to, whether it's my pride or whether it's like as simple as anxiety. I just want to hold it and think about it and analyze it and try to figure out this anxiety and it just gets worse and worse. And all I need to do is let go. I think this is true. I've heard it from multiple people from the Philippines. They say that they catch monkeys in the Philippines by putting fruit in a cage, that the cage is big enough for the monkey's hand to fit, but not the fruit. So the monkeys will grab the fruit in the cage and then not let go. And then they're trapped and they just refuse to let go of the fruit. So they'll capture the monkey simply because he refused to let go. And there's no chains attached to him. And that's us. That's us. We just refuse to let go of the thing that we're obsessing over, whatever it is. I think that's something that's really revolutionized my prayer. The way I pray is that thought is receptivity requires rejectivity. Okay, Lord, give me light so that I can see what's real and realize what I got to let go of right now. These things seem larger than life to me. I want to let go. But I think this also becomes a very practical moment-to-moment thing. St. Catherine of Siena says, that we have to build an inner hermitage and never leave. So she would be running all day long, helping different people at one stage of her life. She was constantly on the go, but she always radiated joy. And when asked about it by her trusted friends, she always said, I've just built an inner hermitage and I never leave. And then she explained this city of the soul. This city of the soul is so strong You are so powerful within it that neither devil nor man can take possession of it without your consent. That's like allowing ourselves to be possessed by the Lord. We run around saying, okay, Jesus, right now I'm feeling agitated by this. I I want to give it to you. Lord Jesus, I need you to deliver me. I realize I'm the monkey holding onto the fruit and I don't want to let go. So Jesus, you need to help me because I'm going to get trapped in this. So please come, Jesus, help me loosen my grip on this. Jesus, help me. Like you can be running around doing anything and just say the name of Jesus, name what you need to let go of and ask Jesus to help you. And he will. And that's when the freedom really starts to take over because you've given him permission. 
Well, I mean, that's so true for me about my vocation. I can, you know, one second, one day be like totally free and full of trust. And the next moment I barely catch myself. I'm like grasping and like hanging on to it. You know, Mm. it's almost imperceptible how I can go from like trust to total fear and like grasping, you know? I love that visual of the monkey. It's I mean, so I was really sad at first. I was like sad that they're trapping these monkeys, but then it made sense. Oh, so good, Father. I'm really grateful for those insights. This whole season has been just like a treasure trove yeah. of wisdom and holy friendship and conversation. I'm so glad you were a part of it. And I'll just personally have a lot to pray with. Thanks to how generous you were with what I know is your own journey of coming to know the Lord. So thank you for sharing that with us. It's a joy to share that with you ladies who I know we're on the same boat. We're just trying to row. Would you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. In this friend name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we turn to you with great confidence. And uh, we ask you to protect us, to guide us to send us your son Jesus again into our hearts. We give you permission to enter our hearts and to be the Lord of our lives. Jesus, I ask that you would just seal our minds and our hearts, just flood us with your precious blood to protect us and to keep safe what you've given us. Seal our minds, seal our hearts, that we might abide with you always in all circumstances as you so eagerly desire. Blessed Mother, Spouse of the Holy Spirit, keep us wrapped in your mantle of your motherly care. Keep us humble. Pray for us that, like you, we might be open, utterly open to whatever God wants to do in our hearts, however he wants to work. Um, Help us to trust him like you did. This we ask with great joy in the name, the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks, Father. Hey, thank you. Enjoy your dinner. God bless Beth, Jenna. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.